Welcome back, friends. Bill Creasy here with Monday's episode of Scripture Uncovered. You'll recall on Friday we left off with Solomon, firmly established as the third king of Israel. Saul, David, and Solomon. Solomon will reign from 970 to 930 BC. Solomon had every opportunity to be the greatest king ever. And we saw that he started out pretty darn well. Now, I'd like to flash back to 2 Samuel chapter 7. Turn over there with me. The story of King David. You'll recall, David, he had quite the career as king. And when David was firmly established in his kingship, he had everything. He had a beautiful palace of cedar and ivory, gold and silver. He had forged a loose confederation of 12 tribes into a united monarchy. He controlled the land trade routes. David succeeded in everything he did. And in 2 Samuel chapter 7, we read, After the king had settled in his palace, and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies around him, he said to Nathan the prophet, Here I am, living in a palace of cedar, while the ark of God remains in a tent. David had a beautiful palace in what today is the old city of David, overlooking the Kidron Valley. He had it all. But God was still living in a tent. Recall when the Exodus happened, Moses built a tabernacle for God. God gave him specific directions in how to build that tabernacle, right down to the tiniest detail. A tent, which consisted of two components, the holy place and the holy of holies. The Ark of the Covenant sat in the holy of holies, the resting place of God, the pillar of cloud and fire, a theophany, came to rest over that Ark of the Covenant, and there God remained. To establish credibility as king, David brought the Ark of the Covenant up to Jerusalem and the tent, the tabernacle, and it sat in David's courtyard, in the courtyard of the palace. And I can imagine one cold winter's night when it was raining and the wind was blowing, David stood looking out window at the courtyard and he said, you know, here I am, nice and warm in a palace of cedar and ivory, while God is living in a tent out in the rain. It's not right. So after the king was settled in his palace and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies around him, he said to Nathan the prophet, Here I am living in a palace of cedar while the ark of God remains in a tent. Nathan knew David. And Nathan replied, Whatever you have in mind, do it, and the Lord is with you. Well, that night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, this is what the Lord says. Are you the one to build me a house to dwell in? 
You want to build a house for me? Why, I've not dwelt in a house from the day I brought the Israelites up out of Egypt to this very day. I've been moving from place to place with the tent as my dwelling, the tabernacle that I designed and Moses built. And whenever I've moved with all the Israelites, did I ever say to any of their rulers whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now then, tell my servant David, this is what the Lord Almighty says. I took you from the pasture and from following the flock to be ruler over my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you've gone. I have cut off all your enemies from before you. And now I will make your name great, like the names of the greatest men who ever lived on earth. And I will provide a place for my people Israel and will plant them so that they can have a home of their own and no longer be disturbed. Wicked people will not oppress them anymore as they did at the beginning and have done ever since the time I appointed leaders over my people Israel, the judges. I will also give you, you rest from all your enemies. Now, I appreciate the thought, David, but the Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. And when your days are over and you rest with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, who will come from your own body, the fruit of your loins, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. When he does wrong, I will punish him with the rod of men, with floggings inflicted by men. But my love will never be taken away from him, as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from before you. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. That is the Davidic covenant. The door of salvation swings on two hinges, the Abrahamic covenant in Genesis 12 and the Davidic covenant right here in 2 Samuel chapter 7. So Nathan reported to David all the words of this entire revelation. David stood in awe of what God was about to do. David went in, he sat before the Lord, he went into the tabernacle, and he said, who am I, O Sovereign Lord? And what is my family that you have brought me this far? And as if there were not, this were not enough in your sight, O Sovereign Lord, you have also spoken about the future of the house of your servant. <laughs> is this your usual way of dealing with man? O Sovereign Lord, what more can David say to you? For you know your servant, O Sovereign Lord. For the sake of your word and according to your will, you have done this great thing and made it known to your servant. How great you are, O Sovereign Lord. There is no one like you. There is no God but you, as we have heard with our own ears. And who is like your people Israel? 
the one nation on earth that God went out to redeem as a people for himself, to make a name for himself, and to perform great and awesome wonders by driving out nations and their gods from before your people, whom you redeemed from Egypt. You have established your people Israel as your very own forever, and you, O Lord, have become their God. And now, Lord God, keep forever the promise you have made concerning your servant and his house. Do as you promised, so that your name will be great forever. And men will say, the Lord Almighty is God over Israel, and the house of your servant David will be established before you. O Lord Almighty God of Israel, you have revealed this to your servant, saying, I will build a house for you, so your servant has found courage to offer you this prayer, O Sovereign Lord. You are God. Your words are trustworthy, and you have promised these good things to your servant. Now, be pleased to bless the house of your servant, that it may continue forever in your sight. For you, O Sovereign Lord, have spoken, and with your blessing, the house of your servant will be blessed forever. Well, that's quite the offer God made to David. And David, David's prayer of thanksgiving is just wonderful. You can't build a house for me, David. You shed too much blood. Not the blood of warfare, because God directed that warfare to establish David on the throne and to establish Israel as a united monarchy. But no, the blood shed Back in the early days, when David was an outlaw on the run, working for Achish, king of Gath, the Philistine king, David played a dangerous game working as a double agent. David and his men, 600 really tough mercenaries, would raid Philistine outposts. And in order that word not get back to Achish, they would kill every living thing in that village. Men, women, children, infants, dogs, cats, and chickens. Everything. And then David's great sin, not adultery with Bathsheba. Oh, that was a sin, all right. But the even greater sin of murdering her husband, Uriah the Hittite, to cover it up, and Uriah's men to cover that up. That was wrong. And Nathan called David on that, and David repented of it. But I can't allow you to build me the temple, David. But I'll tell you what, I'll build a house for you. Well, David is not one to give up easily. David did not build the temple for God. His son Solomon will build it. But David did everything except lay stone upon stone. If we turn over to 1 Chronicles chapter 22 at verse 1. We read, So David gave orders to assemble the aliens living in Israel, and from among them he appointed stone cutters to prepare dressed stone for building the house of God. He provided a large amount of iron to make nails for the doors of the gateways and for the fittings, and more bronze than could be weighed. He also provided more cedar logs that could be counted, for the Sidonians and Tyrenians had brought large numbers of them to David. 
And then David took his son Solomon, a young man, not yet king. David has a long way to go yet before he dies. But he took his son Solomon and he stood before all of his men. And he said in 1 Chronicles 22, beginning at verse 5, My son Solomon is young and inexperienced. And the house to be built for the Lord should be of great magnificence and fame and splendor in the sight of all the nations. Therefore, I will make preparations for it. So David made extensive preparations before his death. David designed the temple. David financed the temple. David brought the cedar logs down, the cut stone, cut and dressed stone. He trained the workers. David organized the priesthood into 24 divisions to work at the temple. He did all that, extensive preparations. And then he called for his son Solomon and he charged him to build a house for the Lord, the God of Israel. David said to Solomon, my son, I had it in my heart to build a house for the name of the Lord, my God. But this word of the Lord came to me. You have shed much blood and have fought many wars. You are not to build a house for my name because you have shed much blood on the earth in my sight. Again, not the blood of legitimate warfare, but the blood of shed by his mercenary men when David led them as an outlaw and the blood of Uriah the Hittite and his men. God told me I'm not to build a house. But he also said, you have a son who will be a man of peace and rest, and I will give him rest from all his enemies on every side. His name will be Solomon from Shalom, peace. Solomon. And I will grant Israel peace and quiet during his reign. He is the one who will build a house for my name. He will be my son, I will be his father, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom over Israel forever. Now, my son, and David lays his hand on Solomon's young shoulder, the Lord be with you, and may you have success and build the house of the Lord your God as he said you would. And may the Lord give you discretion and understanding when he puts you in command over Israel so that you may keep the law of the Lord your God. And then you will have success if you are careful to observe the decrees and laws the Lord gave Moses for Israel. So be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Now, can you imagine your father, David, assigning you the job to build the temple? And Solomon's still a boy. David continues. I have taken great pains to provide for the temple of the Lord a hundred thousand talents of silver and a million talents, a hundred thousand talents of gold and a million talents of silver and quantities of bronze and iron, too great to be weighed in wood and stone. A million talents of silver. That's about 37,000 500 tons of silver. A million talents of silver. A hundred thousand talents of gold. Oh, it's going to be quite the building. 
Now you have many workmen, stonecutters, masons, carpenters, as well as men skilled in every kind of work in gold and silver, bronze and iron, craftsmen beyond number. Now begin the work and the Lord will be with you. So David ordered all the leaders of Israel to help his son Solomon. And then he said to them, Is not the Lord your God with you? And has he not granted you rest on every side? For he has handed the inhabitants of land over to me, and the land is subject to the Lord and his people. Now, devote your heart and soul to seeking the Lord your God. Begin to build the sanctuary of the Lord God, so that you may bring the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and the sacred articles belonging to God from in out of the rain into the temple. So David, David didn't build the temple, but David did everything except lay stone on top of stone. Well, as we know, David dies, Solomon becomes king in 970, and after being firmly established, taking that united monarchy David had created, overlaying it with a brilliant administrative structure, forming an alliance with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, marrying Pharaoh's daughter, extending the alliance with Hiram, king of Tyre. Solomon controlled the entire economy of the ancient world, the food production center of Egypt, the land routes leading north out of Egypt, and the maritime routes from Tyre. That's where the great wealth came from. Once he has all that established, we read in 2 Chronicles chapter 2, Solomon gave orders to build the temple for the name of the Lord and a royal palace for himself. He's going to build that temple that David had in mind, but he's also going to build a royal palace that frankly is much grander than the temple will be. Solomon conscripted 70,000 men as carriers, 80,000 as stonecutters in the hills, and 3,600 as foremen over them. He conscripted labor. This will be a big issue toward the end of Solomon's life. Solomon sent this message to Hiram, king of Tyre. Send me cedar logs as you did for my father David when you sent him cedar to build a palace to live in. Now I am about to build a temple for the name of the Lord my God and to get dedicated to him for burning fragrant incense before him, for setting out the consecrated bread regularly and for making burnt offerings every morning and evening and on Sabbaths and new moons and at the appointed feasts of the Lord our God. This is a lasting ordinance for Israel. Now the temple I'm going to build will be great because our God is greater than all other gods. But who is able to build a temple for him? Since the heavens, even the highest heavens, cannot contain him. How can we take God and put him in a box? Who am I to build a temple for him? except as a place to burn sacrifices before him. God's not going to live in the temple, but the temple will be a place to praise God and offer sacrifice and prayer. So send me, therefore, a man skilled to work in gold and silver, bronze and iron and purple, crimson and blue yarn and experienced in the art of engraving to work in Judah and Jerusalem, 
with my skilled craftsmen, whom my father David had provided. Send me also cedar, pine, and algum logs from Lebanon, all the material you're going to need to build this temple. Well, it will take seven years to build the temple, from 970, David, uh, Solomon begins building the temple in the fourth year of his reign, 966, and he finishes it in 959, seven years. And then Solomon has a great dedication of this magnificent building. It's not very big. It's like a Fabergé egg, but it's gorgeous in every way. Solomon calls together all the people of Israel and they come before the new temple. And we read in 2 Chronicles chapter 7 that Solomon prayed. He finished a prayer. Fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices. And the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The priests could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled it. And when all the Israelites saw the fire coming down in the glory of the Lord above the temple, they knelt on the pavement with their faces to the ground. And they worshiped and gave thanks to the Lord, saying, He is good, his love endures forever. Solomon's great prayer of dedication includes all the people of Israel and foreigners who come to visit. Listen to this. 2 Chronicles 6, beginning at verse 32. Solomon's standing before the temple, and he prays, As for the foreigner who does not belong to your people Israel, but has come from a distant land because of your great name and your mighty hand and your outstretched arm, when he comes and prays toward this temple, then hear from heaven your dwelling place and do whatever the foreigner asks of you so that all the people of the earth may know your name and fear you as do your own people Israel, and may know that this house I have built bears your name. Isn't that great? As for the foreigner who comes to this place, we travel to Israel quite frequently. In fact, if COVID restrictions are lifted, I'll be leading my 63rd teaching tour to Israel in late October. And when we go to the Western Wall in Jerusalem, the temple platform, the temple's not there any longer, of course. The temple Solomon built is dedicated in 959 B.C. It's destroyed by the Babylonians in 586 B.C. Then rebuilt and rededicated in 516 and destroyed again by the Romans in A.D. 70. After A.D. 70, there has never been another temple. The first temple, Solomon's temple, the second temple built after the Babylonian captivity in the return to the land. But we stand before that Western wall, the platform on which the temple would have stood. Today, the Dome of the Rock is there, the third holiest site in Islam. But we stand before the Western wall, I and my group, and I read to them from 2 Chronicles chapter 6, beginning at verse 32. As for the foreigner who does not belong to your people, but has come to, from a distant land, all the way from California or Illinois or Florida or Texas or 
Vermont. Come all this way because of your great name and mighty hand and outstretched arm. And when he comes and prays toward this temple, you listen to him. After which, we all process to the Western Wall. Women go to the right, men go to the left. Because in Judaism, men and women don't pray together. And we offer our prayers, written on little slips of paper and slipped into the wall. Oh, it all goes back to this very story. Solomon builds the temple. It's dedicated. Fire comes down from heaven, consumes the burnt offerings, and the people all praise God. What a great deed Solomon did in building that temple, the grandest building ever to sit upon the earth. A temple of great beauty, a temple of goodness, a temple that will draw people from all over the world. And even though the temple is not there today, well, people from all over the world come to that very place. Well, that brings us right to the end of Monday's lesson and uh, Monday's podcast. And we will see you again on Wednesday. We'll pick up the story of Solomon. Oh, we have something good to look at on Wednesday. Let me tell you, I'll be looking forward to it. Bye-bye now.